Welcome to the Podcast Launchpad, where you'll learn the tools you need to use your podcast to be a go-to expert in your field, expand your audience, and get more clients. I'm your host, Kelly. Enjoy the show. I am so thrilled to introduce y'all today to Diane Wingert, a fellow podcaster and coach and mentor who also works with women entrepreneurs. We're going to be talking about changing unconscious beliefs, especially when it comes to podcasting and using your podcast to promote your business. Diane Wingert became a business strategist, coach, and mentor after a 20-year career as a psychotherapist. Her mission is to help high-achieving women become confidently ambitious by eliminating the beliefs and habits that hold them back. Her trademark style combines a no-BS directness with insight, wisdom, and humor. Diane is the host of the Driven Woman podcast, creator of the Boss Up System, a Peloton enthusiast, and believes that sarcasm is an art form. Welcome, Diane. I am so happy you're here today. I have really been looking forward to this, Kelly. Oh, me too. I want to talk about your podcast for a moment, the Driven Woman podcast. It is so motivating, and I love how personal you get. It is just, it's one of my favorite podcasts, and I just don't miss it. I have just got to share this snippet from the description. I love it. And I actually use it as an example of a great podcast description in, in episode 85 on creating a podcast description. So the Driven Woman podcast gives women achievers who feel like they haven't reached their true potential, no BS straight talk to take them from driven but distracted to focused, fired up, and flame retardant. <laughs> I love that. It's yeah. one of my favorites. I've had it for a while, and I'm not getting rid of it anytime soon. Awesome. That must have been fun to write. And it's not easy to write a podcast description. No, and I think you, it, it helps to get into a certain frame of mind where you're kind of egging yourself on a little bit. And if you need help with that, you know just who to call on because there everybody's got that person in their life that when everyone else thinks they're being a little bit too much, they're like more, more, more. Ask that person to help you with your description. You can always True. edit out the extreme stuff. True. And it's like the person, the personality of your podcast is such that writing it this way is perfect. You know, mm. not every podcast has this kind of personality, but if yours does, then write it like this, you know, don't be so serious. You have to have a description that indicates the personality and style of what people are going to get when they listen to the episodes and your description just goes to the heart of it right away. There are many, many podcasts for female entrepreneurs. You and I are both part of that cohort. So it just makes sense to be who you actually are, lean all the way into what makes you different and let people know from the very beginning, from your show art to the title, to the description before they ever even click on the first episode, they should get a pretty good feel what they're in for. And I do have kind of a dramatic personality. I am very outspoken. I do use colorful language and I'm opinionated. So I kind of figure they've been warned before they click play for the first time. If they're not down for that, they should keep scrolling. 
Exactly. And we didn't discuss it ahead of time, but if any colorful language comes out in this episode, I'll just mark it as explicit. So that's okay. And yeah, your show art, I love that picture of you as well. You know, you're um, flexing your arm and it's, it's just great. Yes. Women know exactly what they're going to get from your podcast title, your show art and the description. There is just no mistaking what they're going to get. I have a funny story about that photo. Um, I had worked with this lovely young woman who is in the tech world. And after we finished working together, she says, I would really love to take some photos of you because the ones that I had at the time were, she said, they just don't capture your personality. So we did a little mini photo shoot at her studio, took all kinds of photos, but that one that wasn't even planned. That came at the very end when we'd been you know, taking photos for a couple of hours. I was kind of tired. I was a little bit goofy at that point. I think my blood sugar was a little low. And then I just kind of started acting very silly and she just kept shooting. And I ended up absolutely falling in love with that photo because like, who does that? I'm not a fitness instructor. I'm not a personal trainer. That was my pre-COVID body, Uh, you know, just want to be very clear about that. But I just loved it because it's confident, it's a little sassy, and it's also, I think it really captures a side of my personality that you probably won't know unless you listen to the podcast, because in my former career, I had to be a lot more buttoned up. Yeah, that's true. As a psychotherapist, that's not the image that you're putting on your website. No, and you're not swearing either. Like, no, uh, like they might, none of my clients knew I had tattoos. They didn't know I swear. They didn't know I have a pretty outrageous sense of humor Mm -hmm. because that's just not how you show up as a therapist. But I think it's one of the things that I love so much about podcasting is that you really get to be who you actually are. And by doing so, you will attract the people who want exactly what you're serving up. Yes. Which is why you really have to be who you really are. If you're not, people won't get to know you. There'll be that disconnect. So to use podcasting to its full power, you've got to put yourself out there. You have to be really you. And that's, that's harder than it sounds. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're both saying it like, well, you just have to be you. That's all there is to it. It's not easy. Having been a shrink and now as a business coach for female solopreneurs, I know all too well, as do you, that it sounds simple, but it's not easy Mm -mm. because all of us have beliefs and behaviors that hold us back from being authentically us and sharing that with others. Everybody does. Yeah. So did you have, so we're talking about unconscious beliefs that hold us back today. Did you have some unconscious beliefs that held you back? Uh, So I want to talk about, all right, in your podcast and in your business, I assume you did. So would you share some of those? Absolutely. I, I really, this is pretty cringeworthy. And if you relate to the story, um, you can go listen to the full detail um, on, on the Driven Woman Entrepreneur podcast, but I'll just give you the short version here. 
for anybody who's feeling guilty or ashamed that they've been getting ready to launch their podcast for a really long time, even if you have help and guidance and support from somebody like Kelly, here's my story. (laughs) I hired and went through two podcast launch programs with qualified people who really taught me everything I needed to know. I had my show art done. I had the photo and I had the the actual show art done by a graphic designer. I had written the description. I had all the equipment. I literally, I I purchased um, a subscription to a hosting platform, like all the things that you teach your membership Mm -hmm. to do. I paid for that, but there's more. I also read I don't remember how many books on how to launch a podcast. I listened to countless episodes on other podcasts about how to launch a podcast. And I still didn't launch the freaking podcast for two years. <gasps> I mean, I know I told you you were going to cringe. Now I'm not cringing. I'm just, and, and just yeah, kind of shocked. You, and you were a psychotherapist. Yes. And you work with women on yes. overcoming these uncon- yes. unconscious beliefs. Yes. And so it and happens confidence. to all of us. Yeah. It happens to everybody. And not only that, I am an experienced public speaker. So I regularly spoke as a mental health professional to audiences of both lay people and other mental health professionals. So, but that's a one time thing. True. A yes. That, that, that's actually, ongoing. that's a really good point. Yes. I knew I could stand and deliver one time. Right. Um, so I just wasn't getting there. So what I realized at some point was I really had myself completely convinced Kelly that I was getting ready because all of these things took time, energy, effort, and money. So I was indulging in that belief that I'm getting ready. And when I'm ready, I will launch. But the moral of the story is you're going to have to launch before you have the subjective feeling of being ready. It doesn't exist. So I just kept thinking at some point, I'm going to feel ready enough to do it. But as weeks turned into months, turned into one, then two years, that obviously wasn't the issue. I needed commitment and accountability because both of the programs that I went through didn't require you to launch by the end of the program. Mm -hmm. And frankly, most of the people who went through it didn't. In fact, one of the people I went through the first program with four years ago just hired me as her business coach, and she still hasn't launched her podcast. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this is unusual. I want to help normalize any feelings of shame that people have, because they know they're, they've got everything they need, but they don't have the most important thing, which is a commitment to do it no matter what. And even before they feel ready and some accountability around that, because let's face it, Most of us have plenty of experience letting ourselves down on the regular, and it really isn't even that painful anymore because it's so familiar. Yeah. Gosh, that makes sense. An excellent point about making a commitment and often needing that accountability because so many people don't stick to self-imposed deadlines. You know, some people do. I'm really good about sticking to a deadline because I don't want to let myself down. 
Mm. You know, I don't think most people are like that. You know, they need that accountability. And it certainly helps me when I have accountability because then I don't want to let down someone else. You know, two people I'm letting down. Are you um, are you familiar with uh, Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies? Yeah, okay. a little bit. Do you, okay, so do you know which of the four tendencies you are? I don't remember. <laughs> well, no. I can tell you, you're not an obliger. Okay. I use her framework as part yeah. of my boss up system. And um, an obliger will let themselves down six ways oh. from Sunday but they won't let other people down. So okay, then I'm not that. Yeah. No, in, because in the majority of episode are, you did, I yeah. thought I was an obli- obliger, but no, you're not. I, no. Cause you don't want to let yourself down. No. An obliger doesn't want to let other people down, which is why they do so much better when they're part of a community okay. where other people are facing their fears and trying to achieve the same outcome like yours. Oh, oh yeah. For me, it's, I do not want to let myself down. Yeah. I wish I was like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I I need, I need pain. I need pain and I need shame. No, I don't mean really shame, but like the accountability piece, I did an accountability challenge Mm -hmm. where I publicly stated, I will launch on this date. Mm -hmm. And then I broke all the things I needed to do in order for that to happen down. And it was, I was part of a group of people who were all going after a goal and stating it publicly and showing their progress that's what finally made it happen. And then once I got rolling, I felt obligated to continue rolling. Yeah. That really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Some women in the women podcasters Academy have done that too. And that's really helped them launch theirs. Exactly. So why did you start your podcast? I had closed my psychotherapy practice I had already invested in coach training and was marketing myself and offering my services as a coach. And I went to a conference several years ago where someone asked, uh, is anyone here working with people at midlife, working with people through midlife challenges? And at that time, when I first closed my therapy practice, I was working exclusively with women who wanted to start their own business as first-time entrepreneurs at midlife. Talk about a niche. So I said, I, I do. Why? <clears throat> because he knew someone who was launching a podcast for people at midlife, and they wanted a regular guest expert who had knowledge of mental health. And I'm like, yeah, I'm your girl. So I ended up having that first experience as a regular guest expert on that podcast for over two years. We did many, many episodes together. And what I realized was I'm good at this. I like this, but as the guest, I don't really have control over what we're going to talk about. Um, And I even asked the host, I started saying, I think I'm going to launch my own podcast. And she told me she didn't think that was a good idea because she didn't think I would stick with it. And I thought, you know what, that thought was one of the things that was in my mind as a limiting belief Mm -hmm. that caused me to delay my launch, not because I cared so much about what this person thought, Mm -hmm. but because I already had that fear, worry, self-doubt myself, and then having someone else who I wanted to respect me kind of reiterate that I thought, oh, 
yeah, that's probably true. And, and actually that's one of the limiting beliefs that held me back from launching mm -hmm. because I thought I don't want to start if I'm going to stop. I'd already heard all about pod fade. I didn't want that to happen to me. I didn't want it to be, I didn't want to have all this build up and then fail, yeah. but, but that was a lot of pressure I put on myself. And so what I decided instead was by that time, by the time I launched, I had already been a guest on probably at least a dozen shows, including the one that I was a regular guest on. And I knew how to do it. I had bought my entry-level mic mm -hmm. and headphones. And I thought, all right, if I do this, why? Mm -hmm. I believed it to be a good way to nurture an audience who some of whom might decide to hire me. I also practiced generosity in my life. And I believe that it was a way for me to be of service to people that I will never meet who would never be in a position to work with me or hire me or pay me anything, but I could still help them and serve them. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also very opinionated and I like offering my point of view on things. And so I thought of it as a way to be of service, a way to market my business and frankly, creative self-expression, because as I mentioned in my former career, it's not that I wasn't myself, Kelly, I was myself, but I was a more restricted and restrained version of myself. And the podcast gave me an opportunity to push out those boundaries and be a little bit more edgy so that people who don't want to hear what they can hear on any number of other shows know they can get something a little bit edgier from me. So it's really satisfied all of those criteria over time. I'm very happy to say. That's awesome. Yep. Totally agree. It's so powerful for all of that, for getting our full selves out there. I love the altruistic part. Having that as like a primary goal is what I try to advocate that people have that part of their big vision being altruistic, because if our primary goal is like rising in the ranks or even making lots of sales, I mean, those are very practical goals we should have, yes. especially the getting more clients, but the altruistic goal and vision, that's what keeps us going when podcasting gets hard. I would agree. In fact, I think, um, having a podcast that allows you to show up in a way that's in alignment with your personal and professional values, mm. as well as your goals mm -hmm. is really, really important because it is time. It is energy. It is effort. And for many people, it's also expense. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a better reason, a more lasting reason, a bigger sense of purpose than I need way for people to know, like, and trust me so that I can get clients. I think that thought is probably responsible for the pod fate of many people because it's not a top of funnel activity, right? If you're asking someone to spend a half an hour with you on a regular basis, that's a much more intimate relationship than scrolling through your reels or right something on, IG on a blog, story, yeah. right? 
right? right. It's, it's more involved. So it's more of a commitment. And that's why I think we really need to be who we actually are and share our authentic self, because otherwise we're just going to be a copy of a copy of a copy. And there's plenty of other shows out that that demonstrate that. Yeah. Excellent point. So back to unconscious beliefs, what are some common ones that women entrepreneurs tend to experience? I think this is true, whether we decide to launch a podcast, a blog, a YouTube channel, or, or even a, a business. Right. The most common ones, no surprise to you, are, I don't have anything to say. Uh, everything I might have to say is already being said by somebody else. I don't, I'm not a confident person. I'm not a natural speaker um, who would listen. You know, these are the, the classic things or that I'll run out of ideas. And what's funny is once people actually get going, Kelly, is that they go from thinking nobody's going to listen to realizing people actually are listening. And then they start to freak out about that. So it's like, I, I think we are both um, afraid of failure, but in many ways, afraid of success, because it's really kind of interesting to, to think about the fact that you might have dozens, hundreds, thousands of listeners all over the world, and you don't know who they are. Right. It's like, I'm actually like people actually care enough to listen to what I have to say on a regular basis. And I don't even know them that for some people can feel like pressure responsibility. So I'd say the, the launching limiting beliefs are that I don't have anything to say that I'll run out of things to say that nobody wants to hear what I have to say, or that everything anything that I might say has already been said. So why bother? Mm -hmm. But then once they get going, it's like, well, how do I keep this interesting? And how do I know if this is what people actually want to hear from me? And how do I keep myself motivated? Yeah. All of those are you could say limiting beliefs that, that can cause a lot of self-doubt, which is why going back to your earlier point, we need a bigger sense of purpose mm -hmm. to get us through the ups and downs, because come on, I don't feel like recording an episode every single time I need to sit down and do one, mm -hmm. yeah. but I need to do it and mm -hmm. I need to get it done and I need to make it as good as it can possibly be and bring high energy, high value, all of that. So, I mean, I think it is realistic that people have doubts because I think we need to address those questions. But most of the time, the things you're afraid of are never going to happen mm -hmm. and they're not valid to begin with. Yeah, very true. And some of them, so like nobody will want to listen. So you start out or most podcast, you know, if you already have a lot of followers, then you may get like on social media and your email list, then you may end up or not end up with, but you may start out with a lot of followers on your podcast. So that mm -hmm. is possible for most podcasters. You're going to start out with very few and that's okay. So I had on a guest, Justin Shank in November, and he mentioned this really enlightening perspective on that. 
Would you go give a talk to a room with 10 people in it? Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's 10 people. I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. So why wouldn't you show up for 10 followers with your podcast? Like, mm-hmm. you know, in the early days, you wouldn't give up, especially because it's going to grow. If you do the things to help it grow over time, it will grow. So don't worry about those numbers in the early days. Just keep doing what you need to do to help it grow and keep delivering yourself and high quality content to those followers, to those listeners. Something that helps me um, put things in perspective is I heard from another podcast, um, someone in leadership in the podcasting community said the average, and then I went and checked it because I thought that can't be true. The average podcast downloads, if you think of all the shows out there, the average number of downloads per episode, 127. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, that can't be true. Mm because there are shows that have millions of downloads. Right. Yes, there are a few of those, yep. but the average number of downloads is 127. So if you reach the point within a reasonable period of time, longer than you think, by the way, mm-hmm. um, where you're getting 127, you are doing better than half the podcasts out there. Yeah, That really changes your perspective because the truth is, Nobody's ever looking and comparing themselves to the people who aren't doing as well as they are. Right. We only compare ourselves to the people that we perceive are doing better than us. And they may not actually be doing better than us. Um, they may be doing exactly the same as us. So I find that very helpful to take some pressure off myself. Yes, very true. And ultimately, those number of followers and downloads don't mean as much if we aren't turning those listeners into clients. If that's, you know, for us entrepreneurs who are doing this in part to get more clients, then who cares about all of the downloads? If people then aren't becoming clients or, you know, even buying a, a course or a, you know, an ebook or, or whatever, if they aren't ending up paying us again, we have the altruistic purpose for doing the podcast. So we're still happy with that, but we aren't doing it just for fun. We are doing it to boost our business as well. So it's, it's marketing. I mean, exactly. it's, it's a marketing podca- tool. Podcasting is not my hobby. Right. Podcasting is my primary marketing platform for lead generation. And I also have other reasons that I do it that we've talked about that help maintain me because um, you have to do something to market your business. And I like to do this. And, And it has been a very good lead generation tool. I would say in the last three years, 100% of the people who have hired me found me on a podcast. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. So it, it's definitely something that you can use mm-hmm. to connect with people, to nurture potential leads, but 
one of the reasons why I think a lot of people who use a podcast for their business aren't as successful is because lots of times we forget to tell people during the episode that they can work with us and here's how to take the first step. I think a lot of people just feel like it's a, if I build it there, they'll come. If I just have this wonderful podcast and I talk about my perspective and I share my knowledge and my skills that people will beat down the door to get me into their life and give me money. No, you have to show them this is, and you know, if you like what I have to say, here's how you get more of it. And a lot of people don't do that well. Yeah. I think you do it very well. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And you're right. You, if you're going to, if you want to make sales through your podcast, you actually have to sell something in your podcast. And we don't want a podcast to be an infomercial. Of course, nobody wants to sit and listen to that, but it is okay to make an offer in your podcast. Well, I think you you have to if you want to use no. it for lead generation. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get very frustrated. But you're also reminding me of another limiting belief <clears throat> that doesn't usually stop people from launching, but it will perhaps cause them to pod fade, give up, um, you know, not release episodes regularly and so forth, is a lot of us have issues with money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have issues with selling. Yeah. So we talk about the limiting beliefs of basically, who am I to have a podcast? Who am I to render my opinion about things? Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I don't have anything original to say. I'm going to run out of things to say. That, that may stop you from getting out of the starting blocks. But once you're going, thinking well, it's fine if I share my knowledge on a podcast, but I don't want to seem sleazy, scammy, slimy. Like um, they're not going to automatically make the connection between the value you deliver on your podcast and the value you could deliver if they were to hire you for your coaching, consulting, creative services, whatever. They're not going to make that connection unless you make it for them. So if you really want to serve people, you have to lead them to some of them anyway, to an opportunity to hire you. But I think a lot of people's limiting beliefs prevent them from being able to make those offers in their podcast in a skillful way. You're right. If it's an infomercial, that's totally gross. And I, I don't think anybody who follows you or me has that problem. Our people are more likely to think I'm not opposed to selling. I just don't know how to do it in a way that doesn't feel gross to me. Right. Exactly. And the way you do it, you do a mid roll. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're, you're, and you're conscious about it because you, you pause the body of your content of your podcast to give space for the mid roll. And then you come back. So it's like, you take a commercial break. I do, but sometimes I forget to do that. And so sometimes I get on a roll Mm -hmm. and then I think, oh no, I forgot to pause. So um, my editor has to find the right spot for it. And I really appreciate how skillfully she does that. Sometimes I say, I have so much more to say about this, but first a quick break or, but let me share this with you first. Mm-hmm. And so when I can remember to do that, it, it, I think it is skillful. And I, I do it in the mid roll because 
I've done some research on this. And just like television commercials, people don't really want to listen to them. So if you have it at the very beginning, they might just speed past it. And if you have it at the very end, they might just stop listening. Mm -hmm. But I don't put it at exactly the same spot. Sometimes it's minute seven, sometimes it's minute 20, because I want it to sneak up on them. So they'll listen to it. And I think, you know, they know it's coming if they've listened to the show a couple of times, but I try to make it fit the episode so that it feels good to me because here's how to overcome a limiting belief about selling on your podcast. If you can find a way to do it, that feels kind of fun and lighthearted. Um, if that's your vibe, or at least make it work within the content of the show. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to have that icky feeling. In fact, like you just complimented me on the way I do it. I think when you do something well, when you do something skillfully, even people who don't want to buy mm-hmm. will say, you know what? I usually just speed through the commercials, but I kind of didn't mind that one because it sort of was part of the flow. Yeah. And of course I'm looking for ways to improve. And so, you know, that really caught my attention as being fabulous. So I'm looking at it from a, a different perspective, but from the perspective of just another listener, it also felt good and, and seamless, you know, it it was, it was natural. Nice. Yeah. That was my goal. Yeah, exactly. So do you have a few other tips for uh, managing these limiting beliefs? I think first and foremost, um, what helps people deal with these thoughts, the kind of thoughts that would just stop us in our tracks is to recognize that they're almost universal. Now, I don't know if Amy Porterfield has limiting beliefs because we're not, you know, like tight, Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm going to guess at some point she did. And I'm also going to guess that maybe even, you know, bigger stars than her on podcasting have. I think just understanding that everybody has self-doubt, everybody feels insecure sometimes, everybody has limiting beliefs about what they're capable of. It is the human condition. So just thinking it's not you, this is not a you problem. This is a human problem can help you feel less that it has to stop you. I remember hearing or reading many years ago that somebody as famous as Barbara Streisand would like regularly throw up before she went on stage Mm. because of nerves. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, like if somebody who's that successful as a performer still gets stage fright, Mm -hmm. maybe my self-doubt doesn't have to stop me. So I think first and foremost, just recognizing it's universal, it's normal, and you don't want to give it more power than it deserves. Like I, for a recent milestone birthday, I asked my kids to go skydiving with me. And I did that for a very specific reason, because I was in the very early stages of thinking about launching a podcast. And I wanted to have an experience 
of mind over matter, so to speak. I have been a meditator for a long time. I first encountered meditation for management of chronic pain, mm -hmm. and then it really became an important part of my lifestyle over time. So I know that I can manage my mind by choosing my thoughts intentionally, but then there's all the physiology, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's the rapid heart rate and there's the, you know, all of the things that go with being anxious and fearful. So I wanted to have an experience where I could convert fear to excitement mm -hmm. because in reality, the physical symptoms of fear and the physical symptoms of excitement are almost identical. Yeah. So I just wanted to change how I perceived them and how I labeled them mm -hmm. in my mind as they were happening. My husband was so terrified. I literally had to send him home. He has fear of heights. He thought I was completely mental. Mm -hmm. He did not want me to do it. He was upset. I said, you need to go home because you're interrupting what I'm trying to accomplish here with my own mind. But later, many weeks later, I finally got him to watch the video. And he said, I, this is astonishing. Like you actually did it. I was smiling and laughing the whole time. Now I really needed to take control of my fear as the plane was ascending because mm -hmm. you got nothing but time to think as you're going and climbing, climbing, climbing. Once the moment came, I had been practicing overcoming fear. Now you may think I'm crazy for doing this or, or I'm a unicorn, but honestly, any of us can learn to master our fear if we have a specific outcome, if we have support and if we have accountability, it's perfectly okay to be afraid and do it anyway. In fact, you are going to make mistakes you are going to be less than perfect. Your first episodes might actually suck. But Pat Flynn, who's a pretty well-known podcaster mm -hmm. and has taught, I don't know how many thousands of people how to podcast, at his workshops for podcasting, he actually plays a clip of one of his first episodes. Kelly, it is so bad. <laughs> it is so much worse than anything I have ever done that I was like, oh my God, why didn't you take that down? Like, that's really embarrassing. I mean, he was literally saying, so like, I don't know if anybody's actually ever going to listen to this. And I, I really don't have much to say. I'm like, shut up. Right. I mean, it was like so bad, but, but you it's know what? perfect now to use as an oh. example of how far he's come Yes, and that it's okay to have episodes like that. It's less okay today, but because no one would do one like that anymore. Or, you know, if you, yes, there are people who do, but if you're serious about it, you're an entrepreneur, you're not going to do it like that. You're going to plan ahead. Yes. Here's another tip. Something you and I were talking about in the pre-chat is recognizing you do need to make enough of a commitment mm -hmm. that you're in it to win it. Like, you know, when I say focus, fired up and flame retardant, I help people make commitments that they can actually see through mm -hmm. because I have a history of many years of starting things and not completing them. Mm -hmm. And so I finally reached a point where I'm like, this has got to change because I don't like wasting time, money, energy, and not having anything to show for it. So yeah. but I think it's it's um, a mindset shift of both commitment, 
and understanding this is something I'm going to do over time. And I need to set my expectations appropriately so that I don't think I'm going to be an overnight sensation and people are going to be beating down my door after my fifth episode. It's not going to happen. So don't do that to yourself. But also, if it helps you deal with the fear and the limiting beliefs, treat it as an experiment Mm. and treat it as something that I'm doing this for now, because a lot of people have really great stuff to share, but they have a hard time getting out of the starting blocks. Once they're started, they can kind of keep going, but like getting going is the hard part for them. So by that person telling themselves, I'm just doing this for now, it's an experiment. I'm going to try different things and see what works. It actually becomes more creative, more playful. Mm -hmm. And you're not focusing on your fears and insecurities and doubts. You're looking for ways to make it more fun and interesting for you, which Mm -hmm. by the way, will make it more fun and interesting for anybody who's listening. So I think creative people especially need that because we can get up in our heads, overthink, become perfectionistic about it. And that will stop you before you start. So there's room for that. You want to make your bed with perfect corners, knock yourself out, but you don't need to bring that to your podcasting adventure. My first 20 episodes was literally just me in my closet, talking to myself for about 15 minutes per episode, because I didn't want to bring guests into my environment before I even felt like I knew I could do this. Mm -hmm. And then after 20 episodes of me just talking to myself, I realized, okay, I'm doing it, but I'm getting bored just talking to myself. Maybe I need to start bringing other people, which is my last pointer is your show can, will, should evolve over time. Yeah. So even though you've got a plan, know that you can only think of so many things before you actually press go. Mm -hmm. But once you start going, you'll realize, you know what, I prefer more guests and less me, or I prefer shorter episodes or more frequent episodes. You couldn't possibly know any of that until you start taking action. That's how you learn. So don't be overly attached to what you do in the beginning. I think it's really exciting to see people's shows evolve. Your show. Yeah included because if we're going to keep going it has to work for us and for our audience and that means we give ourselves permission to grow and evolve which i think is necessary for any creative person absolutely yeah nothing is set in stone it's your show and listening to your gut about it and what is more fun for you more beneficial to your business and beneficial to your audience will keep you engaged and evolved. Yeah, that's awesome advice. So last couple of questions here. You mentioned earlier that 100% of your clients are coming through your podcast. So is that the biggest practical benefit you've gotten from your podcast? Ooh, that's a hard question, Kelly. Um, A big benefit then. 
It doesn't have to be the biggest. <laughs> you know what? I, I This is not going to be true for everybody. In fact, it may only be true for me. But I am a big believer in creating goals that are in alignment with your personal needs as well as your professional, but also your values. And um, I'm a neurodivergent person. So um, my experience growing up was I often felt like an outsider. I didn't feel like I fit in. I felt like I was the square peg in the round hole. And many of my ideas were just a little bit too out of the box for a lot of the people that I was around. And I got shut down a lot. And so um, I wanted to be a journalist. I either wanted to go into journalism or advertising. And I think knowing my personality a little bit, you can see why that would have been a natural fit. And I got a degree in communications, but in college, uh, I was given the advice that, no, you don't want to do that. I met with a guidance counselor and I'm like, aren't you supposed to provide guidance? And they said, you don't want to do that. And so um, I don't even remember what the reasons were, but I was basically talked out of what I thought was the path for me. Now, I've actually had several different careers because I'm a continuous evolver myself. And yet I think a journalism, communications, advertising career would have suited me really well. And I didn't do it. So for me personally, yes, I freaking love that the podcast brings me clients because it shortens the sales cycle. Mm. When somebody hears me on a podcast that they follow, then they jump over and listen to a few episodes of my podcast. And then they follow me on social media. Then they book a consultation. Then they become a client. That's been the typical flow. They're already sold on Diane Wingert. Right. They already know how I think, how I speak, my sense of humor, how often I drop an F-bomb. They already know that. And that's what they want. Mm-hmm. I It's not that I don't still need to do some selling in a consultation because everybody has objections and, you know, a, a avoidance of purchasing and things like that. But right. they're already sold on me. And that's important. But for me, it's also been incredibly fulfilling, Kelly, mm-hmm. that I actually get to be in communications. Yeah. And I actually get to, in a way, be a broadcaster mm-hmm. after totally. so many years of being told, nope, you don't want to do that. I did and I do. And now I am. Yep. That was going to be my my other question is what has been most personally rewarding. So I would say, I would say that's it. And also I think, because like you said earlier, Kelly, it's your show. Mm -hmm. So you can do what you want. I think this is something for people who are just getting started. Most people in the beginning are like, well, how long should I make my podcast and what day of the week should I release it on? And should I have guests or should I do show? And everybody really wants to know what should I do because they believe that if someone like you Uh, tells them exactly what to do, that they will feel less fear and doubt. Right. And you and I both know that you're still going to have fear and doubt, even if I lay out the path for you, and I literally help you make every single decision you need to make, 
you will still have to overcome your fear, your doubt, your limiting beliefs in order to press play. But I don't want to scare anybody. Mm -hmm. Don't anybody pee your pants now. As you do it, you get better. It gets easier. And I would say now at this point, I've released 126 episodes. I would say once in a while, I think after the fact, I don't really know if that was my best stuff. And then what I do is tell my editor, if there's any parts that are redundant or slow or tangential or or just not really succinct and valuable, take them out. Even if it means we lose half, half the episode, I would much rather it be shorter and more focused. And I don't feel any shame about that. Yeah. I did in the past. I thought you should be more on point. You should be more like, why? No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. You should be exactly as you are. Mm -hmm. And anything can be fixed later, which is another thing I really like about it because it's not live folks. Right. I mean, you (laughs) You can can, fix anything, but yeah. Yeah. Record them, edit them, get them edited. However you want to do it. Yes. It is your show. And like you were saying, you know, someone, I, whoever can tell you exactly what to do, what day to put it out, what time, exactly what equipment. I'm happy to do all of that. You still have to overcome that fear. And sometimes Nike's right. Just doing it does help you overcome that fear because taking action is one of the best ways to overcome that fear. Yes, ma'am. I I think nobody can overcome all of their fear and doubt in their head. Right. You actually have to take action Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be big, massive action. Take the first step. How does that feel? (laughs) A little better. Skydiving. So did you get get rid of, you know, did you overcome all of your fear before you took that leap out of the plane? Or did you manage it enough to take the leap out of the plane? I'm so glad you're asking this. I didn't even know I was going to share the skydiving story. Um, I I have a big imagination. Mm -hmm. And so I have, I create like guided imagery and, uh, you know, superheroes in my mind. Um, if I'm feeling scared, I tap into an avatar of a, an alternative persona. And for that particular situation, yes, there were times when I could just distract myself. I was doing it with my kids. So I was mostly focusing on engaging with them in the plane um, and bonding with the person I was doing the tandem dive with, because he was literally about to have my life in his hands. And, but when I would look out the window, I would have a fleeting thought like, what the hell are you doing? You know, but um, honestly, when I became aware of it, I would click into this fantasy that I had that my mind is a private club. Mm. It is invitation only. There's a long line of people who are trying to get in. And I have the biggest bouncer that anyone's ever seen with a jacket that says security on the back. This is all my imagination now. Mm -hmm. And anybody, any thought, any fear, any doubt that's trying to get into my mind, my private club, the bouncer is keeping them out. Mm -hmm. So when I started to realize, oh, my 
My heart rate is starting to speed up. I've run out of things I can distract myself with. I think it was right at the time when they said, okay, we're just about to reach 13,000 feet because we had the option to either do 11,000 feet or 13,000 feet. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, might as well go all the way. That's kind of my personality too. So he says, okay, we're just about at 13,000 feet. So all of a sudden it was like, oh no. And then I closed my eyes and I tapped into that thought. And then he said, okay, we're opening the door, folks. And I said, let me go first. Mm-hmm. Because if I watched my son go out, my daughter, you know, then that would be like, I would have more opportunity to start maybe freaking out a little bit again. I said, yes. let me go first. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm not going to risk re-engaging with the doubt, which by the way, I notice a lot of people do. There's so many great techniques. I teach a lot of them. There's many great techniques for calming yourself, creating focus, removing doubt. But a lot of people, once they get there, they're so used to being anxious. They, they start to cycle the fears again. I wasn't going to give myself a chance. I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah. So, but I still, I still, I still become afraid. Of course I do. Of course I do, but I'm so much better at recognizing it and managing it. And when I'm not as skillful as I typically am, I'm better at forgiving myself for that. Mm, That's key too. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. You bet. So how can listeners find you to learn more about you or work with you? I recently added a word to my podcast title. So you'll see on the podcast art, it says the driven woman with Diane Winger, but in the description, it now says the driven woman entrepreneur. And I added that because um, I realized that the people I most want to work with are people who have, I'm sorry to give you this pun now, made the leap to starting (laughs) their own business. Um, They can listen to me there at the Driven Woman Entrepreneur Podcast. They can follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm just starting to experiment with TikTok. Don't have a lot going on over there yet. And my website is Diane Wingert Coaching. And I have to spell Diane properly because no one will ever do it. It's D-I-A-N-N. No ease. Okay. I will put all those links in the show notes. So y'all can just click over there and find Diane everywhere that she just mentioned. Make it totally easy. Well, thank you so much for being here, Diane. This conversation was just fabulous. I really appreciate your being on the show today. Kelly, thank you so much for inviting me. And you know what? I just realized something I should have said. Um, because everybody holds themselves back in some way. I mean, literally all of us, I created a quiz called what's holding you back. Nice. So if anybody wants to take the quiz, you get a series of emails where we identify what your thing is, what to do about it and how to move forward beyond that thing that holds you back. So I'll make sure you have the link to that too. Great. Thank you so much. That sounds fabulous. You bet. All right. Thank you again for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast Launchpad. Be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email or send me a DM on Instagram. Follow the links in the show notes. I really appreciate you for being here. See you next time on the podcast Launchpad.